Uh, turn to uh, Luke uh, chapter uh, 1. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles uh, provided for you, you can find that on page 723. Page 723. Uh, we're continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, in, th- in this passage, you'll see there's a lot there. Uh, so today, we're going to kind of take a broad stroke and kind of hi- make a couple highlights. And then next week, we're going to talk about specifically John the Baptist. And then uh, the following Sunday, we're going to look at uh, the birth of Christ. Try to hit all the, the important things in the Word this morning. Uh, but join with me as we read uh, the Word, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, going all the way to verse 56. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving his priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were out or praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he was staying in the temple so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray that that your word will even have a powerful uh, place in our service today. Father, I I pray now, um, just for my own spirit, Father, I pray that you will allow me to to preach your word boldly and clearly. God, I pray that you will allow me before uh, God and Jesus Christ, before his appearing in his kingdom, to preach the word. Father, I pray that you embolden your servant to bless your people. And God, I pray for your people. God, I pray the people that you have given this church who are here today. God, I pray for their hearts, that they have hearts to receive your word. Father, I pray that when they hear of miracles, God, that they will believe and they will not doubt. 
Father, we, we, we want to serve you. We want to please you. God, help us do so. Uh, but Father, not only help us do so here, but uh, other places. Father, we pray for Pastor Ron Richardson at Catawba today. God, we pray that you use him mightily as he preaches your word, Father. Build up that church that they may become a better and better reflection of your glory. And God, we also continue to pray for those missionaries serving around the world. Father, we pray for those missionaries in Venezuela today. God, we, we pray that you strengthen them by your grace, Father. We pray in that, in that country that um, seems to be so a fertile place for the gospel that you will make your name great there. But God, we love you and we want your name great here. Uh, so Father, we pray now as you will just quiet our hearts, allow us to hear your words. Father, I pray by the power of your Spirit, convict us of sin and drive us to the cross. We ask this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, it is an amazing thing uh, to watch uh, children grow. Uh, I have been blessed to have three uh, wonderful children. Uh, I love to watch them grow. Uh, my son is at a point now when... Um, he, he no longer listens to his daddy's words uh, as, as words from the Lord. It is a time when your kids grow up and they listen to your words, and if daddy says something, that's just the facts. Uh, that's the facts, ma'am, and they, just, they, they trust it. Um, but as he's grown, he doesn't always believe what I tell him, and he wants more and more verification. Uh, this is probably clearly seen when we, when we drive um, around town. Uh, my son has never driven a car. <laughs> he's four years old. But for some reason, he thinks that he knows how to get around town better than, than I do. I often hear in the back, Daddy, you're going the wrong way. My son can't even, not even tell his right hand from his left hand, but he tells me whether I'm going the right uh, or the wrong way. Uh, the, simple, the days of simple trust have passed. Uh, and I, I think that uh, as we grow, we, we naturally go there. Uh, we naturally become doubters uh, in this age um, we want more proof, more proof in the words that are told to us. Now, it could be a sign of the times. Now, we live in, in an age where, where there's so much information just being poured at us uh, every day. There's more books written, articles read, and news programs developed in, 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 in a week or in a year than the whole 19th century put together. But I don't think it's driven out of our age, uh, the, 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 the time that we live in, but I think it's driven out of our, our nature. I think by our human nature is a nature that doubts. We doubt what others say. We especially doubt those things that seem too good to be true or those things that just seem so awful to believe. I believe we doubt because in the end, we want to be the one who tells the truth. <laughs> we want to be the one to, to tell things how things should be. See, our nature is diametrically opposed to truth to listen to God. We've seen the growth of my own children. Uh, we get to the point we do not want to trust the words of others. This is why I think it's so hard sometimes to be a pastor, because I'm trying to get you to believe God's word. And I think that our natural inclination is to doubt, to throw questions towards God. God has given us our words to, for his words, to trust and believe but we often doubt His Word. We doubt God when we should be doubting ourselves, but that's not the way our hearts work. We doubt because He promises things that seem too good to be true in His Word. 
He also reveals how desperately evil our hearts can be, and we don't want to hear it. So this morning, I pray that we will turn from doubting God's Word, and that we will turn to believing God's Word. We continue our study in the Gospel of Luke this morning. Remember last week, my, my, my big push was that we can trust this Gospel. Luke carefully researched, he, he studied the documents, he, he, he met with eyewitness accounts so that we can be certain of the things that we had been taught. He starts to unfold this plan. Now, Luke has more information in, in Luke than the rest of the other Gospels about this creation or this incarnation narrative, the birth of Christ. Now, we hear in, in, in Luke chapter 1, it starts out with two scenarios. The angel appears to two people about a promised child that is going to come. And we're going to look at each one and how they respond. One responds poorly. He doubts the Lord. The other one responds well and believes. So, uh, Lord willing, this morning we're going to look at um, how we should respond to the Word and how we unfortunately often do. So the first point this morning, if you want to look at the, the back of your outline, is doubting. Doubting the Word brings displeasure to God. Doubting the Word brings displeasure to God. Uh, we see the main characters uh, of this section introduced. Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth, who was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, they were both of priestly descent. A man and a wife that were, were both of, of the lineage of Aaron was a sign of blessing. This was a blessed couple. Now, the line of Abijah was known for being a wicked line in the priesthood. But we know that's not true of Zechariah and Elizabeth, so before we read in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all His commandments and statutes of the Lord. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth were a righteous couple. They weren't perfect. That The word righteous there is not referring to being righteous before God, but morally they lived a righteous life. They did good things. They, were, they tried to obey the commandments of the Lord. They were still sinners, but they tried to follow God. But the thing about what we see in Zechariah and Elizabeth, although they were righteous and blameless, their life was not without trouble. So that first subpoint you see there, suffering can lead to doubt, but we must trust His plan. Suffering can lead to doubt, but we must trust His plan. Verse 7 says, But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well along in years. Now, in that day, barrenness, when you did not have a child, you were looked at as disgraced among the Jewish people. We clearly see that in verse 24 when Elizabeth said that when she had the child, she felt that the disgrace was removed, that she received favor from the Lord. Now, I'm sure it would have been difficult for Elizabeth and Zechariah to understand why they were without a child. Don't we struggle that way when we, when we are trying to honor the Lord and do things that are right and good, and yet we experience suffering? Maybe you have been led along to believe, asking some of the same questions that Zechariah and Elizabeth struggled with. Lord, why can't I conceive? Why can't I find a spouse? Why does my spouse treat me the way he does? Why can't I find a job? Why won't this pain go away? 
You know, I think that when we think, when we, we're doing things right, we automatically think that God should pay us back for our service. But sometimes the Lord has other plans. I think we can see from this text that God is working. The suffering can lead to doubt. But you must trust God's plan. He knows what He's doing. See, what God is going to do here with Elizabeth's barrenness and Zechariah's age to show us that God is under, that they're all under the sovereign control of the Lord. Their suffering will become their glory. Hear that. Their suffering will become their glory. Many of you may be suffering right now, and maybe this text is to speak to you that your suffering may be your glory. Verse 8. Look down in your text and read verse 8 with me. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the timing, time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, it says they, they casted lots. Now, what happened, there, only one time in, the, in, in a priest's life would he be the one to offer the, the sacrifice of incense. Now, this is huge. I mean, this is like a BCS championship game, right? We're appearing on Oprah's favorite things, right? It happens once in a lifetime. Yeah, I said Oprah. Well, needless to say, this was a big deal, right? This was a big deal. Now, we know that God is in control here because why Zechariah? Of all the priests, why Zechariah here now? Because God is going to show himself here. Brings us to the second thing. Big words can lead to doubt, but we must trust his promises. Big words can lead to doubt, but we must trust his promises. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. Let me just say this right from the outset. We have to remember that God is big and God is powerful. You know, every time you see angels in the Bible, you don't hear people going, oh, he's cute. And I think if we look at our culture, when we see angels pictured, we see a chubby little baby with wings or a beautiful teenage girl with wings. And I think what, what our culture wants to do is that our culture wants to domesticate God. But we have to understand, angels are God's servants. They are God's ministering spirits. They are awesome, terrifying, amazing, powerful, because they reflect God. And what our culture does, our culture wants to, to limit the power of God's servants. Why? Because they don't want to believe that God is powerful. Because if God is powerful, then he can judge us. We have to remind ourselves that God is powerful and big. That doesn't mean I'm telling you to go home, and if you have angels in your house, that you have to take them all down. Okay? We have an angel in our house on top of our mantle that I'm not super crazy about. But the kids wanted to put it there, so I said, okay. So don't, you may not have to take them down. You may, but you don't have to. But when you see it, remind yourself of what the world tries to do with the things of God. The world tries to domesticate them. We want to remind ourselves that our God is powerful. 
So every time I look at that angel, I want to remind myself that God is a powerful God. And I think this is encouraging to us, right? Because right now we're going to see some big words that, that this angel is going to lay out to Zechariah. Look what he says in verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedience of the wisdom of the righteous, to make a people prepared for the Lord. Now those are some big words. The angel announces that God has heard Zechariah's prayer. Now we don't exactly know what the prayer is being heard. Now we could probably assume that Zechariah and Elizabeth often prayed for a child. I think that's probably a safe assumption, knowing that the disgrace that they felt from not having a child. But we also have to know that, that he was offering prayers for the salvation of Israel as a priest. And isn't it just like the Lord that God chose to answer Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer for a child in an amazing way by bringing salvation to the nation of Israel, proclaiming the one who's going to come before the Messiah? Because I'm sure when, when, when the word were, words were said, Zechariah as a priest must have heard the, the prophecy in Malachi chapter 4. Now remember, at this time, there was 300 years of silence from God. There was no prophetic voice. So the last prophetic voice was one of Malachi, who, pronounced the, who announced the, the forerunner to the Messiah. And right here, Zechariah is hearing these big words that the nation of Israel is going to be saved by his child. Those big words. Malachi chapter 4 says this, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and their children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So this angel says, this prophecy is going to be fulfilled through your child, with your child of your old and barren wife. And what does Zechariah say? Seriously? For real? See, I think when the promise is big, we have a hard time believing it. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard the promises of the Lord um, that you are, if you trust in Christ, that you're forgiven. But some of you think about your sin, your past mistakes, how you have hurt people, and you don't believe that you are forgiven. Those are big words. And big words can lead to doubt, but we must trust God's promises. Stake our life on them. See, we can trust God's big words because we serve a big God. Trust Him. Trust Him. Look at verse 24. We see this prophecy coming true. The Lord has done this for me. In these days He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. God keeps His word. But that Third subpoint: Pride can lead to doubt. We must know our place. Pride can lead to doubt, but we must know our place. See, instead of receiving this great promise, 
Zechariah asks for more evidence. In verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. First of all, I don't think as a husband he should call his wife well along in years. I think that's probably his first mistake. But he wants proof. How can I know this? Look at the angel's response. I just love this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true in their proper time. Angel responds by telling Zechariah his name. You doubt? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I'm speaking God's word. He was indignant that that Zechariah would ask for a sign, for more information. This is the Lord speaking. And this wasn't just, this was an angel of the Lord, a ferocious, a powerful angel that that would strike fear in our hearts when we saw him. And he doubted. Luke later says in this gospel, in Luke chapter 11, verse 29, when the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say this, this generation, this evil generation, it seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. See, Zechariah is rebuked for demanding evidence, and Jesus calls this generation evil for seeking a sign. Now remember, Zechariah is a good man. He's referred to as righteous, but in this moment, he does not believe the Lord. That should tell us something. Those of you who are here, who are righteous before God because you have trusted in Christ, there will be days when you do not believe the Lord, when you doubt His Word. How often do we not trust God at His Word? Do we ask for for signs? How often do we rationalize away God's word because it does not fit into our cultural context? I see a lot of churches struggling because they hear things in the word and they go, well, that can't be my God. My God wouldn't do that. That doesn't fit with our culture here in America. So how do you deal with text in the Bible? Do you side with the culture or do you side with God in his word? What about texts like 1 Timothy 2.12? I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. She is to remain quiet. Or Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give account. Now, when we we come across these hard teachings, do we ask ourselves, how can I follow that teaching? Or how can I refute it? See, I think that the challenge is, is that we oftentimes at our hearts, do not want to follow the word of the Lord. We doubt him. We doubt that his word is good. We doubt that his word is going to bless us. But we do not want to seek a sign along with this evil generation. For doubting brings displeasure to the Lord. We want to believe and trust God's word. So let's look at what trusting God's word looks like. Third, second point this morning, believing the word brings blessings from God. Believing the Word brings blessings from God. We don't want to be like Zechariah. We want to be like Mary. In the first century, this would have been a terrible way to start a story. So Luke is trying to tell this Roman official 
someone who is of power, the most excellent Theophilus, how God's plan starts to unfold. And he says, don't trust Zechariah, the respected priest. Trust a teenage girl and how she responded to the Lord. That would have been shocking in this culture because women were not respected. They weren't honored. They weren't, didn't have a, a lot of respect in the community. So this is not the way you want. If you want to prove something to be true, this is not the way you want to create something to be false. You would want to talk about highlighting the priest. But that's not what Luke does. Well, let's look at two things here first in terms of how Mary responded. The first thing is confusion is not disbelief. Confusion is not disbelief. Join me back in the text at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was, was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and you will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord your God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. So the angel of the Lord appears to Mary, a virgin teenage girl. It says, greetings, you, have, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. And Mary's troubled. She didn't understand what that, what that greeting was. But notice how the angel didn't rebuke Mary. He just gave her more information. I think sometimes we think that if we don't understand, that if we're confused, that that's disbelief. That's not, the, that's not according to the Scriptures. We can be confused. Ask for clarity. The second thing we, we want to clarify is clarification is not disbelief. Clarification is not disbelief. Verse 34, Mary responds, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, who your relative, is going to have a child in her own old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I mean, Mary asked a very realistic question. How will this be, since I am a virgin? Mary wanted to know how, not if. The difference is, is that when Zechariah asked, he wanted to know how, how will this be possible? Because I'm old, and my wife is old, and she's barren. Mary doesn't question whether or not it will happen. She just wants to know how, not if. And Mary believed along with the angel. Nothing is impossible with God. See, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask God for more understanding. But do it with a believing heart. Because we want to be receptive and believe the word of the Lord. So what does this believing heart look like? First um, thing, belief. Belief looks like glad submission. Belief looks like glad submission. Verse 38, Mary responds, 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. See, Mary shows glad submission to the word of the Lord. It is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it is not easy. It is not easy to submit gladly to the word of the Lord. Think about this. I mean, she was a teenage girl, was engaged to be married. I don't know about you, but that's going to be a hard one to explain to your future husband. Graciously, God divinely intervened and helped Joseph understand. But this child is going to bring disgrace upon Mary. She's betrothed to a man to be married, and she has a child out of wedlock. People would question her character. It could bring down the reputation of her family. This was not easy. But Mary did not look at the negatives. Mary found favor with God. Glad submission to His Word brings favor from God. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want the Lord's favor more than the reputation and the opinions of those who are on the outside looking in? See, the world may not cheer you when you submit to the Word of the Lord. They may call you lots of things. They may call you ignorant. They may call you intolerant. They may call you chauvinist. They may call you tons of names. You may be mocked, but God will be pleased. When we gladly submit to His Word, God will be pleased. Isn't that what we want, church? Don't we want to, be, to please the Lord in all that we think, say, and do? We please Him by trusting and obeying Him like that great hymn of the faith. But we never can prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor He shows, for the joy He bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. Then in fellowship so sweet, we will sit at His feet, or we'll walk by His side in the way. Where He says we will do, where He sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, there is no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Mary trusted and obeyed. She may have been mocked and chided, but she trusted in the Lord. I pray it will be with us as well. Secondly, belief looks like humble adoration. Humble adoration. Verse 9, verse 39, I'm sorry. At the time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. By why am, I so, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So we see another woman here, right? We see Elizabeth. Now we see Elizabeth in contrast to Zechariah humbly submitting to the word of the Lord. Elizabeth was so humble, she, didn't, she did not understand why she was receiving this favor of the Lord. That helps us because ho- so many times we demand things from God. We, God, I'm doing this. This should be this way. But Elizabeth never um, took for granted the grace of God. She was only there because God showed her mercy, that God granted her favor. See, Luke is trying to highlight 
the difference between Mary and Zechariah. We see that in verse 45. It says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. See, this is in Zechariah's home who can't speak, who has been muted because of his disbelief. And Mary here is, is being praised for her believing in what the Lord has said to her. See, one of the, the challenges of Christmas time is that you have heard this story before. You read it every Christmas, right? We read the story, we, we kind of go through the motions at Christmas. And what happens when we read the story of Christmas again and again and again, we lose our wonder. We lose our amazement at what is happening here. God is preparing a way for salvation from sin and death through an old, barren couple and a virgin teenage girl. This is miraculous. This is wonderful and should result in our third and final point, joyful praise. It should end in joyful praise when we hear about this. Don't take this for granted. Listen to how Mary responds in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has, made, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. See, our response to the word should be joyful praise. And that's hard to do, but that's what we want in our hearts. When we hear the word of the Lord, we want to joyfully praise God and respond. If you want to study this song further, I would, I would challenge you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and see how this uh, song parallels that of Hannah's when she had Samuel. But I just want to point out two things as we close. First, notice how close God is to the humble. Verse 48, it says, He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. And then verse 51 and following, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers up from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent away the rich empty. Now remember who's Luke writing to. He's writing to the most excellent Theophilus, a Roman official. And he's telling him this. See, God is not impressed with the accolades of this world. He is not impressed with the rich, for he sends them away empty. He is not impressed with the rulers, for he brought them down off their thrones. He's not impressed with the proud of heart, for he scattered them. The Lord is mindful of the humble state of his servants. And this whole story is about humbling. It's about the humbling of the true servant, the anointed one, the Messiah, the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, and the thing about this Christmas story is that this story is our story. 
You, when you read the, 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 this account of the incarnation, I don't want you to think this is the birth of Christ. This is the birth of our Christ, our salvation. Listen to what Mary's saying, saying in verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And from verse, and verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. The Lord's mercy extends to us from generation to generation. He has remembered to be merciful to the descendants of Abraham, who believe by faith are children of Abraham. See, this Christmas story is our story. This is a story about our salvation, how God came to rescue us from sin and death. See, Mary needed a Savior. She was a sinner and deserving of punishment. Mary knew that we needed a Savior. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus was born as the Savior. She even says, my God, my Savior. See, in Jesus, he lived in perfect submission. He gladly submitted to the Father, perfectly obeying him. And he humbled himself, becoming to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, in his death on the cross, purchased our salvation. He died in our place. But God raised him from the dead so that anyone who fears the Lord from generation to generation will receive mercy. Those who gladly submit to this word will be saved. You will not receive his punishment, but his blessing. You will be forgiven by God and saved from your sin. We receive the word gladly. We are blessed. When we doubt God's word, we displease the Lord. So where are you this morning? When you come to this Christmas story, do you think this story is your story? When you hear God speak, do you want to say, I want to trust and obey? Or do you want to doubt, saying, but Lord, you don't know my sin But Lord, I'm old. But Lord, don't give that to the Lord. Don't doubt him. His promises are big, but he is powerful and mighty, and he will fulfill his promise. If you are here today and you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, can I just challenge you today to stop doubting him. Turn towards him. Make this Christmas story your story. It is the story of salvation, and it is good. It is miraculous. Be amazed this Christmas season that our God has come to rescue us in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we do not want to doubt you. We want to submit to you. Uh, So, Father, I pray that you will give us glad submission. Uh, We pray that you will give us a humble adoration. God, we pray that you will give us a joyful praise uh, as we believe and trust in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.